Welcome to Local and Thriving. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Bree Crow, and you're tuning in to season two of the show where we're highlighting the Dallas community. I'm passionate about empowering an inclusive economy, and it all starts locally, right? These are the conversations with people you need to know, sharing stories to learn from, and talking about resources to leverage. Check out more about the show at localandthriving.com. Find us on LinkedIn or Instagram. And hey, while you're listening, go plug in to our private Facebook group. You can find me on social at recrow.co. I'd love to hear from you, but I won't keep you waiting. Well, let's get into it. I just got done talking with Valjean Bart and we had so much fun. I always say, keep business a playground and Val does just that. He's the founder and owner of Val's Cheesecakes that has two locations and a third food hall location opening soon on May 28th. He's truly built it through sheer passion and grit and maybe most importantly of all, his community wants to see him succeed. Val is more than just a baker. He's a civil engineer and managed both careers simultaneously for years. He's been involved in local initiatives like Takeout Tuesday last year to support local restaurants, as well as started Leverage Dallas to promote the power of local and state voting. We talked about his sweet journey and even the moments of eating humble pie. We are here with Val Jean Bart and when I tell you, so many people reached out to me, Val, about being excited about me talking to you. Oh my God. Um, I'm an incredible <laughs> fan, not only because of you yourself, our conversations that we've had, but when I tell you, you are championed from LinkedIn to Instagram. I have people texting me saying, oh my gosh, I saw this. I can't believe you're speaking with him. Um, you really do have a fan following. Oh and my I know God. that it's truly <laughs> genuine. It's not just a social media thing. So I wanted to, <laughs> I want to give you props for that. But you're a civil engineer at heart, right? And you opened Val's Cheesecakes, your first location off Maple Avenue in 2015. And you've since opened a second location in 2017. But you've really been working on this since I think about 2012, if not sooner. And I want to start by saying your mom is no doubt incredibly proud of you and watching from above every single day as you build this truly amazing legacy. You know, I I know this all started when she was fighting terminal breast cancer where y'all baked a cheesecake every single Sunday. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and what's so sweet, pun intended, about your menu is that every cheesecake is based on a specific Sunday with her and you can tell a day and a time of of when that happened. So I know, also know you got your first start or your first shot, I should say, really from the former Oddfellows owner, Matt Spillers. Yes, we did. So I'd love to start there. You know, how did you really get this off the ground? Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. You're you asking a good question already. So it was it was after my mom's passing. So my mom passed on August 12, 2000. Um, well, we had the funeral on August 20. Well, she passed August 28, 2012. And then a couple of days later, we had the funeral. And then for the next three months, it's just a world of just what do I do with myself? Because for the past four years, for the past 35 years, my life has centered around this one woman. All right. So what do you do with yourself? It's just like you've cared for a person for four years. Your life becomes her. 
And that's, that's, that's what I had to, to deal with. I had to, what am I going to do with myself? What do I do? I have nobody to take care of now. I'm a caregiver at heart, always been. So um, after her passing, I said, I got all these cheesecakes. I'm looking through a box. I still have this box in front of me. So there's a box of secret recipes that are loaded with recipes. If somebody finds this box, oh my God, they're going to make some money. So we, I have that box and I just kept looking at it. And then I said, why don't I just start baking? Why don't I make something out of it? And then that's when I started uh, during my work days at the city of Arlington, during my lunchtime, right? Not on work time, not on people's dimes. I would send these emails to every restaurant. I would be Googling, finding restaurants that are caring, that don't have cheesecake and just email. Like I just, at one point I said, I don't care which restaurant it is. I'm just going to send emails left and right. And the only person that responded, the first person that responded was Matt Spillers. So Matt Spillers told me to bring one cheesecake. That's not what I did. I brought like every cheesecake I had when I got there. He said, Val, I told you to bring one cheesecake. I said, I'm sorry, I had to, you had to take the sweet potato, you had to taste the Nutella cheesecake, you had to taste all these. And he carried our cheesecakes at his restaurant. Uh, he had some events at Eno's. He uh, also carried it at Urban Bear. There were, that was a restaurant in um, um, the, the West Village at that time. Uh, so it was just, he started everything and then opening Bell Coffee, we still do business with them. So a couple of restaurants just got it going and I was baking in the basement of a church. So that's the story that I'm sticking with. <laughs> hey, you always really need that first person to just, just take a taste, right? Just like, just try it out. I promise you, you're, um, you're going to like it. And so I, it sounded like, did that happen over the course of two years before you actually opened up your first bakery? Oh God, you did your research. You're good. You are good. My you God. know. <laughs> so I started, I went to the county December 2012, the last day, December 31st, I think. I went uh, to the county and put the name down. And then at that time, it was just, well, I'm going to the county. I'm just going to put my name in. I can bake. Not knowing all everything that's needed to bake and stuff. I'm just going to put my name. That's it. I have a business yet. So <laughs> that's exactly what I did. And it's been, uh, so I spent about two and a half years of just baking in the basement of St. Paul United Methodist Church in downtown across from the Booker T. Washington. So I always want to um, put a little plug in there because they gave me their kitchen. They didn't, they didn't charge me. I was going there and, and, and that's something I just, I don't, I don't forget that a single day. Absolutely. Well, yeah, like being able to have those resources, be able to help people get off the ground is amazing. And so, you know, I, what, to, to really flash forward to some of the present day, especially over the last year, you know, I, not only is it just the cheesecakes and not only is it just you, your personality and the vibes that you bring, but, you know, I think that community goes even further. Um, you know, I know that you've worked with some other, um, you know, influencers here in Dallas on the, the Takeout Tuesday initiative uh, during COVID to be able to help restaurants, you know, and, and stores like yourself continue to, to stay afloat, but also becoming a warming center when we had 
such a freak winter storm, um, you know, and opening your doors and op, you know, to the community in your neighborhood, you know, you've been a part of the, the hungry for votes type of thing. So I'd love to be able to talk about from being a business owner to being involved in community, like, is it just second nature for you or was it, you know, how, how did you blend between being a business owner and then also just being this community leader? Um, it really, um, I started to think, I think it was last year, I had a talk with a friend of mine and, well, my best friend, and um, we had a talk about, does the business become just cheesecake or does it go for something else bigger than that? And I've always thought it's bigger than that. And it, it also ties with my mom. So my mom is a very fair, sweet woman, a very um, financial savvy person. I still wish I have all her savviness still. So, um, so she is very sharp, but it's always been about fairness with her and sweetness with her. And I just thought about this needs to come through the business as well. So how does it come through the business? How does it come through Cheesecake, right? So it comes through Cheesecake by being fair to your team members, by wanting to pay at all costs. For the past six years, uh, knock on wood, well, knock on plaster right now. So um, for the past six years, I haven't missed one single payroll. We haven't cheated a person out of wages. We haven't forgotten their wages or didn't, didn't mis mismanage. That is one thing. Everything could be crumbling around me, but those people who work 80 hours for two weeks are going to get paid. That's just no, <laughs> there's no negotiating on that. So that's the mindset right there that I'm taking and say, okay, how can I make this bigger? How can fairness be a bigger uh, asset to the community? Love, grace, dignity, and respect. Those are four words that I'm always, I think it's in the description of our, in our bio. So it's those four words that guide us through this community activism. So it's not really taking aside this, this red, blue, purple, whatever. It's as long as you have those four words, you can translate it into your business and into making it fair for everybody who comes into Valshi's Cake as well, who works at Valshi's Cake. It's so important to have those core values um, and, and really drive, you know, if you're adding a new recipe to the menu, does it align to our values? You're making a new, you know, statement or getting involved in a new initiative, aligning it to those values. Um, and it sounds like you really do live and breathe that. So that is amazing. And, you know, you you also started, I think it was the, the Leverage Dallas initiative to be able to be that, the, you know, having the sole purpose of being a local, you know, or promoting, I should say, local and state voting and, you know, sharing community resources. So. I, when I saw that, I absolutely love it because it really is just the the power of voting and how to not only spread the word, but encourage it and create accessible channels to be able to do so. So I, I hope that that continues through the coming years. <laughs> yes, it is never going to go away, Brie. It is part of the DNA now and it's part of the recipe.
So that's how we make cheesecake for sure. I love it. I love it. Well, you already touched on resources, so I'm going to backtrack myself because I want to see, you know, when you start a restaurant, when you start a bakery, yes, someone gives you the opportunity to start selling, you know, um, you, you started selling your cheesecakes in their, their restaurants. But as a, a local business owner starting a brick and mortar location, did you know about resources that were accessible to you, the, you know, and programs and assistance that was going to be there for you to start? that business or did you really go it alone and i'm curious of your reflection on that now um now i think about it it's it's really i've gone it alone by myself there have been some good decisions there have been some horrible decisions all right so it's <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that all right so it's always been me trying to figure it out and i had a business partner initially like the first year and, and that's something that i don't it's i think if you go scroll down to the bottom of valshi's kick you'll see my business partner who was christopher reese at that time so he stayed with us for a year and then he had his own passion so he helped me through the first like the the 2013 taste of dallas event that we did at fair parks we were there, you know, so I had a little help for the first year. But after that, it's always me just learning by myself. But unfortunately, Chris, who went to uh, St. Paul United Methodist Church, that was his family church. He grew up in there. He told me about the kitchen. So the kitchen, many churches, many event hall places have commercial kitchens that are sitting there that don't get used, that get used for sure, but that don't get used a lot. And I think it, it, it would be a great source of revenue for the church, for the event center, for these places to see how many people out there are in need of a commercial kitchen. There are commercial kitchens that are, that have rates out there, you know, but churches can benefit on that and just let people use that commercial kitchen. So St. Paul still has that commercial kitchen, y'all. So if there's somebody needing a kitchen to bake their cookies, there are ways that churches and other places can help you. So to answer your question, it's been it's been a little bit of help at the beginning, but it's just me learning like from ground zero, everything, making the mistakes, learning from them and still paying for those mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because when I think about it, you know, you've touched on the financial savvy of your mom and, you know, because it's like um, when I'm talking about resources, so much of it is like. How do you can keep payroll? How do you track and decide on your margins to make sure that you're actually having revenue, um, you know, based on your costs and everything like that? So truly for you, this was something that you absolutely just taught yourself and learned on the fly. Yes. And Brie, there was no there was no lesson. There was no like <laughs> there was no initial lesson. This is how you cost product. This is how you do it. I had an idea. I, I had a receipt in my hand of the cream cheese I bought and the cream and stuff. So I had initial cost, but it's now finally, I think it's at the end of 2020 that I really learned about every single component that you do impacts the bottom line. So your time spent on social media, that impacts the bottom line. The, 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 the type of heavy cream you're buying, that impacts the bottom line. Everything you need, there are ratios out there. There are ratios for a bakery, what your percentage should be like in terms of payroll, in terms of all these things. So it's been 
like this past year has been such an eye-opening year for me and in terms of finances personal finances and business finances so there it, there has been a lot of growth and a lot of learning and a lot of humble pie humble cheesecake <laughs> okay <laughs> humble cheesecake slices taken for sure so it's just been me from ground zero and then we're just going to shoot from the best best hip but i think now at almost six years now okay now i get I get the deal. <laughs> you know, well, there's something to be said for success coming from, well, I didn't know that there was this playbook, so I'm going to operate and do it this way. I didn't know that there was this best recipe. I've created my own recipe. You know, there's so many different ways that I think, you know, and, and I can attribute myself as well. In some cases, I've been in environments where I'm like, y'all are clearly operating off of some playbook that I did not even realize was available. Uh, but the good news is I've gotten to where I am today by just the hustle, the drive, the motivation in and of myself. So there's something to be said for that, for, for <laughs> yeah. what you've done. But I would love, so this is a big question for me because I would really love your perspective on this because everything that Local and Thriving is, is really an effort to create awareness around programs through SCORE, the Small Business Association, um, you know, different resources and places that exist that have free resources or at no cost. And, but there really is a bubble. There really is something that it's like, we start these businesses and it really isn't until a couple of years in where we're like, oh, and then all of a sudden, you know, of all of these resources that exist that didn't seem to exist until that day. Okay, yeah. Uh -huh. Is it is it a marketing initiative? Is it something that it's just not reaching in, in front of them? Like, what are your thoughts on why there really is that that line between I know nothing about what's available to me versus there's so much? I think it it's it's sometimes it's. You have a dream that you want to accomplish. You have a business that you want to put together. And some of these um, efforts, initiatives are requiring a lot of, and, and sometimes you're at your day job. You have a job already, right? Just like I did. I had a job and then I had a, a passion that I need, a story that I needed to tell. So here you are, you have a full-time job, you have a passion that you're trying to meet, and then you're trying to see all these resources, you're trying to apply for them, you're trying to go to the right, to the right events and meet the rub the right shoulders and stuff like that. You just don't have the time. That is, that is something I think a lot of people don't talk about. Um, I came into this business for a year, yes, I had a business partner, but he also had his day job. We were two people having a day job and trying to put a business together. Where were we? We find the, the third job, which is filing for all these papers, getting into the right group, conversations and stuff like that. You just don't have the time to go through the paperwork, the meetings and so on and get, you just don't. So it kind of, it's, it's, it's a give and take. And at this point, it's just, finding the right balance and knowing what are you in this for? Are you, are you in this for happiness or are you in this for comfort? And to me, even though I've chosen Val Cheesecakes, I have chosen happiness. And to me, comfort is something I'm still trying to weave through my life. So it's either one of them. Do you choose comfort and then you weave happiness through it? Or do you just go for both at all odds? Me, I chose happiness and 
and, and the rest, the comfort, it just got to be weaved and worked out. All of a sudden, comfort is comfort with taking risks, right? <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> like, God, uh, it's just galore. By comfortable, do you mean comfortable being absolutely scared 90% of the time? Then, yes, I'm super comfortable. Oh, my God, um, like you, Brie. <laughs> I don't care what I heard about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, it, by the same token of branding and marketing, when I talk about that, you know, you obviously have created a fan base on on mm -hmm. social as well to be able to um, convey what you're doing, who you are as a person. You know, one of the things that I see and I think is often talked about is that restaurants, you know, we've got a lot of food in Texas and restaurants, you know, tend to last six months and then unfortunately, you know, have to close their doors. And I've always said it's probably because they haven't had they didn't set aside money for marketing to be able to actually pay for different things that help spread awareness around the fact that they exist, because it really is not just you yeah. build it and they will come. We know that. But what was your approach, you know, from the early days versus maybe if you have any a different approach today when it comes to marketing and branding? Yes. Oh my God, this is good. This is good, y'all. So this is something we did a SWOT analysis and uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And um, and I wanted this conversation today, Avery, to, to be honest and truthful and transparent. And one of the weaknesses in that SWOT analysis was not a fully developed budget for marketing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we don't. It's true. It's totally when normal. You know, I think yeah. I think it's it's so it's yeah. common. And, and and when we when when I think about that budget for marketing, I think about how I've been trying to and and have for the past six years met every single every two work every every two weeks like clockwork. I have to meet that payroll. And I think recently I posted that at all costs, at all costs, we're going to meet that payroll. So I haven't had the luxury of putting money to the side for that, putting money to the side for when the walk-in refrigerator breaks. Yes. Putting money to the side to make sure a payroll. Yes. But that dedicated budget, that dedicated budget for marketing, I've learned is just as important as that walk-in refrigerator. <laughs> yes, it is. Because if you don't have that right budget, you can't bring the walk-in refrigerator more money for that walk-in refrigerator that fails, you know, because people have insurance and stuff. And sometimes these insurance companies do not, they're always finding a reason like, well, you didn't file this on time or you, well, it's really not the walk-in refrigerator. It's the power cord that comes from the building. It's this, there's always, because that's their job. That's their job to not pay for that claim. So y'all put the money inside. Like I've just been told three months ago, you have insurance. Yeah, that's cute for the big things, fire and stuff like that. But put an account aside for that walking refrigerator. Okay, so insurance is very cute on paper, but y'all put. <laughs> All right, so it's been uh, so that marketing budget is something that we're working on, and we finally got it. That marketing, the right time, um, spending the right dollars on the right marketing is a big effort on us that we're still working on. So, but me, I've just been for the past five years, just like that SWOT analysis said, I've just been dancing and talking to people on social media. That's it. 
and just telling the people about my mom and weaving her story, her colors, the flowers and stuff. There's a constant thread that haven't been lost. And I think if you have a constant, the same story that you're telling every day, I think that goes a long way, a very long way for people to see a consistent story and reason why you're doing your business. So that's, that's it. And that is my little marketing wisdom and gimmick. <laughs> At the same time, it's sticking to your story and telling it every day through everything you do. I mean, honestly, the name of this podcast should just be Consistency in Business because oh my God. It, it comes up in absolutely every conversation and episode that I have from so many different angles, from uh, PR, from finances, from legal, from marketing, you know, it, tech industry, it really comes down to consistency. And, and honestly, that is the hardest free uh, resource for us to actually capitalize on. But, you know, I think you, you touch on it's such an important point, too, is that as founders, as entrepreneurs, we, we love a good idea. And when we get really passionate about something, we want to go after it. And there's a lot of shiny ob objects. Yes. I struggle with a ton of shiny objects. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm a very multi-passionate person. So uh -huh. sometimes I've got to put some reins on it. But staying the con consistent in terms of your story and, like you mentioned, your colors and values, yes. um, you know, is definitely the anchor to to lean on and social media is is free you don't have to do the paid boosted ads oh in my order god to... yes <laughs> those ads or those retainers y'all don't forget the retainers of some very good there are very good marketing firms out there and i'm not knocking any one of them at all for what they do but they have retainers and they do an amazing job and um the point is yes i, I would like to get to a point where I still manage the social media, but there's a little team, there's a group out there that would be nice as regrow. So the retainers are out there for those who can afford them. Val's gonna be dancing on TikTok soon, you guys. <laughs> get get ready. I got my. I wish I re, I put on my good outfit today. Uh, I really did for you. I, oh my god! I, I, I know you've spend. got some style, so um, get, you're gonna have a to bow tie. <laughs> I'm I'm wearing a bow tie for you. This is this is cruel that we the video and technology is working against us. Um, you'll have to send me a photo so yes, I can make yes, sure to post you. about it so we still get that look going on. Um, I love it. So what do you feel like are you mentioned? You know there have been some hard learning yeah. lessons that 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 you've experienced. You know I we've had a conversation, so I have an idea yeah. of just some of the things that you've battled through um, to be able to to get to where you are and stay where you are today. I'd love for you to start kind of touching on maybe some of your early mistakes that you look back on and you wouldn't do again. It sounds like you touched on just having maybe a co-founder or maybe there's some more recent um, situations that you can touch on that people can learn from. Yeah, um, I think the first thing is um, not putting um, all of your eggs in one basket. <laughs> I know, so how does, what do I mean by that? So me, I'm a person who I have taken the risk full time. <laughs> I have gone in and I just make sure that everything I do is invested into that business. And what does that mean? So me, I have, I have like literally, I have funneled money from my side to the business side and that's what I do. And so I have supported this business to the 10th degree. And to me, what I've learned from that is 
When you do that, you have to manage with less emotions. <laughs> okay, with a little bit less emotions. Okay, so emotion meaning making sure that all the teams are kept, like all the team members, right? All the team members are kept. It's because there's an emotional tie there. There are possibly, there are, there are people that sometimes I've been possibly overstaffed because I think this season is going to be higher and stuff. And I've been overstaffed and I wanted to keep everybody on the payroll, pay them every two weeks at all costs. And that's an emotional and running things with emotions all the time can get you in a little bit of trouble. Okay, so removing, making it more about, there's a balance, you know, there is my mom there, there's a story about my mom, fairness and stuff, sweetness, but there's also a number side that you need to pay just as much of attention, having a good bookkeeper, keeping control of, like, who do you give a credit card to in your business? Does every manager deserve a credit card? Can they get access to your information? So when I say all these, it's because I know I've been through the ringer, y'all. I've learned. So these are all the things like taxes, making sure you pay your taxes and stuff on, on the right time, every 20th of the month, sales tax, paying that on time, making sure that everything is followed by the numbers, but also staying true to yourself. That's the biggest lesson, just balancing emotions and heart and, and numbers. So that is that is what I'm sticking to. Like now it just, I am balancing. <laughs> I am doing more, like looking more into the hardcore numbers that sometimes we don't even want to look at. We don't want it's, to, it's like just the recipe, the cost of a recipe. You know, there are ways that nutritional facts, what, that is one good example. Nutritional facts on your products, right? Do you need nutritional facts? Does the FDA office require you to have? There's a certain limit that you sell that once you pass that threshold, you have to have nutritional facts on your food. You know, there are ways to circumvent that, but those are getting nutritional facts on every single recipe. It's a major cost. Like if you send, if I send a jar of cheesecake to a lab, it's almost $800 to get nutritional facts on that. Or do you sit and just calculate every single crumble of Oreo cookie, red velvet, divided, weight, ounce, everything, calculating, fat, carbs, everything. So those are, what are, what are, how do you balance that? So it's a thin rope. <laughs> it's a thin rope and balancing numbers and an emotion need to come together and play that and, and make sure that you stay on track because that can lead to greater issues, greater financial stresses. And you don't want that. Trust me. I know. Well, and it's, it's tough because when you talk about the emotional lead, you know, leadership and emotional toll of being a business owner, I know from spending seven or eight years working as a waitress, a bartender, and I managed a restaurant at one point, those people were mm -hmm. my family. When you yeah. work at 12-hour shifts so commonly uh, together and you're, they, they're your friends and now it's a family, you want to support each other. So understandably, though, that line gets that much harder. And I can tell you from anecdotal experience, 
I had been working at this Italian restaurant for about three years. I had been a waitress, a bartender, and they're like, they come to me, hey, we want you to be a manager, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a great experience. And then it was like, well, wait a second. All the people who I'm used to being a peer with, all of a sudden I'm having to be a manager to, and they wanted me to crack the whip. And I was like, uh, (laughs) I don't really, you know, And so flash forward, I probably did it for four months and I was like, we have a meeting and we both are like, so this isn't working out because I was like, I have more responsibility. (laughs) I have more responsibility and I make less and you want me to just like yell at my friends all the time. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to being a bartender. (laughs) So we, we've had that, we've had those situations where we've promoted people and it's just not there, you know, it's just, um, Sometimes, you know, it just, it wasn't the right time or wasn't the right fit. So I completely understand that struggle. And even me as an owner, am I that crack a whip? I have been a manager as an engineer and it's different, you know, when I was managing engineers, it's different from managing a retail staff. So I get it. I I feel you, (laughs) Brie. Oh, well, so let's talk about the catalyst between having one location, I mean, having one location, sustaining that more than six months and years, in fact, on its own feet in itself. Fantastic. Opening up a second location. What was your catalyst to say, I'm comfortable doing this? I'm ready to do this. Let's make it happen. So there's, oh my God, this is good. Um, Because I've waited for these questions. It seems like I've been waiting for six years for these questions. So, um, we had the shack. We had the shack in 2015. We opened on June 30th, 2015. And uh, two and a half years later, I still had my job as an engineer. I was working as an engineer. Um, so um, two and a half years later, fast forward to um, August of 2017, um, I noticed that we were getting requests for catering and stuff and we needed space, we needed more room. So I found a great location on Greenville. So I'm gonna name names. I wanna put people out there today. So the place on Greenville was a taco mas. So that was a taco mas before I got there. And we looked at the place, it looked, God, I'm not, we're not, we're not putting taco mas. We're not talking, we're not saying anything about it. It just, it, it, it wasn't us, it wasn't us. So that's where we were gonna leave it. So it, it wasn't us and we found that space and we lo- and we fell in love with it. And we said, I can do some things with it. We need more space, we need to do it. So that's the first reason, we need more space. And I said, this can be a beat like a bigger shack. So we did that and then, but also at the same time, I had this engineering ambition thing going. I was working for North Texas Municipal Water District, and then I went over to the city of Dallas. (laughs) I went to work for the city of Dallas for ambition because I wanted to do asset management as a part of civil engineering, so which deals with assessing the state of equipment and assets and making them work longer, finding smarter ways for those pumps and blowers. I know I'm, I'm getting nerdy right now. So getting, extending the lives of these things. So I went to the city of Dallas and for a position and it did not work like I planned it to be. So I was still wanting to do civil engineering. There's never been a hate relationship with civil engineering. It's just, I've had a passion and I've had a career that I've tried to balance. So I left the city of Dallas and I said, 
all right, we need a bigger space. Let me dedicate myself to a bigger space and make that happen. So I went full time. And um, it's been lessons. It's been lessons every single day, Brittany. And still today, even today, I got a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> even today, even today, yes. they never stop. I, I I love the positivity, right? We, we can There's laugh through the... <laughs> The, the other option is to go find a cliff and jump off. And I'm just not going to do that. You right. know, so that is the only yeah. option left. And so I'm going to stick with it and make it work. And like my post said yesterday, everything is on the table. Okay. Aside from killing, stealing, disrespecting people. But after that, I'll do everything for Valshi's case. I absolutely love it. So, you know, with your community efforts and that, that you've been involved in, you know, I'd love for you to, you know, it, it, talking about some of your customers, like what, you know, are there any specific customer stories or community stories that, that really stand out to you? Um, I think um, last year we really had with Leverage Dallas, it's something that we started um, with Leverage Dallas with. so. We had, I, I partnered with uh, several great influencers in this town. And um, so we worked together and we put Takeout Tuesday together, but also Leverage Dallas was at the same time. We wanted to impact local voting, state voting, and use social media, leverage that, that's the word. So that was a huge undertaking last year and we did that and we registered a lot of people to vote. We registered people on both sides. Okay, so I wanna make sure that comes across. Leverage Dallas was not dedicated to a side. So we put that together and the question was amazing. So we've been lying dormant since um, the election by restructuring and finding what is going to be our new initiative. And on April 1st, April Fool's Day, we are kicking off our new initiative, which is a month away from the city election, because that's where the work is done, really. That's where it matters, you know. I had an example, I, and I'm going to share that with you because I care about small business, and I know they go through the same pain that I'm going through. So we have inspection for food establishments, right? So I want to abide by the code. If something is not right at Valshi's Cake, yes, I want to make sure I'm going by the codes. So, but we want to make sure that if an inspection is done at Maple, it should be the same thing at Greenville. You know, an inspector three months ago cannot say this was fine, and then this year, this time, it's okay. Oh no, it wasn't fine. So it's the discrepancies, the inconsistencies that I am big on and I know several food establishment in this town are, are like, even there was a big newspaper article in the Dallas Observer saying how thinned out the inspection team, the code compliance team at the city of Dallas is. And so we wanna make sure that council members are fighting for that because on the books, the bottom numbers, the bottom line, that inspection triggers a lot of, you know, so, so there is a, we had yesterday, uh, this is so fresh, I had an inspection done. So the inspector mentioned something that this other group didn't mention, this other team at the city of Dallas didn't mention. So if we had known that, we would not have been operating like that. Nobody wants to operate out of the code. So so the, the election on May 1st is big for us right now. 
and um, that's the story. Those are the customers that st stuck out last year, and that's how we're rolling in into this new effort for May 1st. We want you to vote, Brie. Okay, we want everybody to vote for the right council members so we don't have these code yeah. issues and inconsistent impacting businesses. I mean, I think that's, you know, the, the story of any voter you know about presidential elections, great, but there are yeah. so many elections that happen every year, every two years, starting the closer to you, you know, your actual location in your house, the better mm -hmm. that you can be directly impacting your community. So I absolutely agree with that. So I want to use these last couple of minutes that I have you here, which by the way, go follow Leverage Dallas. Absolutely stop what you're doing. Keep listening, but pause the show. Go follow Leverage Dallas and make sure to vote. I love knowing about May 1st. Important yes. date to know. Yes. Um, so two questions I ask everyone. If you, if you were given $5 million <laughs> to start a business or start a new project, um, outside of taking a wonderful vacation and growing Val's Cheesecakes, what would you choose? So I hope nobody takes this idea and runs with it, but somebody will, or it has been done already. Listen, we're just going to put it out there. So funny enough, I like the most mundane, if I had $5 million, the most mundane business there is possibly, and no, I'm not knocking them off, but a laundry and a dry cleaner. <laughs> It's not exciting as, as pretty and wow in the Instagram, right? But the laundromat in a dry cleaner with a twist. We want people to come in, in there to do their laundry or get their dry cleaners, but we also want them to get some comforting food and alcohol, some drinks. All right. So that's the thing. My, my, like, I've always been, I'm a big fan. You know, I've had washing and dryers at my, at my own place. I just, I don't know. There's this weird fascination of going to the laundromat and just meeting the most unexpected folks and having a conversation and just like drying and folding clothes in the laundromat. And um, so I'm gonna big, big, uh, a big plug to Mike's Chicken on Maple. So Mike's Chicken, when I was going there, that was a laundromat, but now Mike has expanded into, there's a whole kitchen restaurant, there's a whole side. So Mike is doing the right thing. So to me, if I had $5 million, I would do a laundromat that is just hype, that is just lit. Y'all, that is just, that has a little restaurant, like. Yeah. You got built in 30 minutes for the wash cycle. You got built in an hour for your dry cycle. I can, as a single person, I can imagine a cute meet, cute moment happening. Yes. In <laughs> With neon signs and just have a cocktail and have <laughs> some French fries, you know, some poutine and just like, just go in. So that is, if I had $5 million, so Mark Cuban, if you're listening yeah. to this, I want, this is the truth. I was going to say, don't make me edit this out because it's such a good idea. Um, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I love it. So my next question is, you know, if someone is moving to Dallas, um, you know, to start their business, relocate their business and looking to get plugged in, what, what is one business resource or one program, you know, what's, what's, What's something they need to know? So I think, first of all, just, uh, you know, I have talked about the city of Dallas. We have a very <laughs> good relationship. It's kind of dicey sometimes, but we have a good relationship. At the end of the day, it is my city. The, the, the people working at the city of Dallas are good people. They're doing a job. 
okay? So I might have some issues with some of those jobs, but they are good people working and making a living and making us our water, our sewers, everything, the treatment and stuff, the light, they are doing all that. So connecting with the different offices at City Hall, just like going to City Hall and just like, what is it? Just asking the question, what is here? Which office is in this building? There are some funding, there are some like, what is going on? Where do I get my, where do I pay my water? What, what, what type of financing neighborhood uh, programs that the city has? Just go into your city hall. Second, the different chambers of commerce. Uh, you know, we've, we've done pop-ups at different chambers of commerce. I've gone to the black chamber of commerce, the Hispanic chamber of commerce, all the chamber of commerceers. Those are great ways of making connection. And then finding, I think the first thing you do, finding a bookkeeper and a lawyer, all right? <laughs> Y'all, a bookkeeper and a lawyer will get you through some situations. Our attorney uh, firm is Berdado and Associates, and then Paget Consulting does our bookkeeping. So I've had them for a while now, and they've kept me out of trouble. They've, they've last year, they, they've even guided me through the best decisions I could have made last year. And so I think when you move here, finding where your city hall is, finding the different chambers of commerce, finding a bookkeeper and a lawyer, and then lastly, get to know your influencers. You know, your influencers, I'm a product of influencers, literally. I took my first cheesecake to ass food bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that word. I think I can. So um, I, I took my first cheesecake there into Oh Hey Dallas. Those were the first um, two influencers I worked with. Brandy's Foodie Diary, you know, the yummy side of life, all these wonderful influencers. Get to know who are the major players of influencing lifestyle food in your city. I loved it. That is fantastic. Those are each um, huge pieces of it. And like you said, I mean, there's it's it's multiple table stakes to be able to bring it all together. And I'm so glad you shouted out to the Chambers of Commerce. That is, uh, those are organizations that I'm reaching out to and, and having conversations with. So hopefully we can partner together. But I want to thank you so much for taking an hour. Oh my God. Thank you. I know you don't sleep. So we probably could have done this at 3 a.m. and you'd be like, I'm down. We could. <laughs> um, so I'm super grateful for you taking the time. Um, so outside of everyone going to follow at Val's Cheesecakes right now, is there anything else coming up that you want people to know about or people that they should, you know, reach out to things that you've got going on? Well, yes, we want to make sure that people know that. Um, so the shack and the shop are, are, are set in stone. And then the food hall in downtown, that is no secret because our stall is there. I think people, I think you can see the sign and stuff, but the at t food hall is opening on May 28th. Let's cross our fingers. It's on May 28th and the food hall is a major, that at t complex is a major, that discovery district in downtown. That's a major, uh, impact that they will have in downtown. And there's a lot of buyers, there's, there, well, not buyers, there is a lot of vendors, a lot of vendors who close other locations. Like, like me, I closed my Fort Worth location a few months ago. I did. You know, we had some issues, but now I'm reopening a food hall, another food hall location. So I want to make sure people know about Val Cheesecake, but really countless 
You know, Aina Poke is going to be there too. That's another vendor. And we want to make sure all these vendors, you know, some of them close another location or, and are putting all their heart and soul and money, <laughs> money, capital into making this work for downtown Dallas. So come and support. May 28 is the big opening. I think there's going to be some job fairs during the month of May. So people looking for jobs, we need good people looking for a job, willing to work because we need to get back on track. Everybody needs to get back on track. That is awesome. I don't think I knew about that, but I am not always in downtown Dallas. So it is fantastic that you mentioned that. Congratulations on a new food hall. May 28th is the date, and it sounds like you're hiring, which is awesome. So I hope anybody, if you've got referrals, go work for Val. You know it's going to be a good time. And he's certified to pay you. I will go through the end to the end of the world to make sure you get paid. Okay, so maybe that should be my little influence, like like blog and talk about that and talk about how we just want to pay good people yes. to work at us. I mean, absolutely. These days, this in this economy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's needed, yeah. uh, you are fantastic. Thank you again so much for your time. Every... You are lovely, Bree. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care. Again, I don't care what Dallas is saying about you. Hey, shit. you watch it. Um, <laughs> we will definitely have to connect on a video, though, again soon. Don't forget to yes, send me this photo of this bow tie. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a fantastic weekend. All Hope right. it's busy. You too. All right, that's it for the show today. Thank you so much for tuning in. What's something you're taking away from the conversation? We want to hear about it. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, our private Facebook group, or the website is localandthriving.com. If there's someone that we need to have on the show, someone whose voice deserves to be heard and they're a business owner, community builder, or a subject matter expert, please let us know. And if there's someone interested in sponsoring this show, I mean, please do get in touch. <laughs> Our email is localandthriving at gmail.com. Thank you again so much. Let's go be a force for good. <laughs>